My name is Jeremy Quintanilla. This is the story of my life as I build my family business, learn about governance, dive into politics, figure out how to leave a legacy, and all the other adventures life has in store. You're listening to an Age of Jeremy side quest. Enjoy. So I've been a little bit busy um, being sick, I guess you could say. Um, so I wanted to uh, jump on here um, and uh, kind of talk a little bit about my experience. Um, so I apologize. I get out of breath if I um, talk too much. I'm not sure if... Uh, I'm not sure if uh, that could be heard when I do some of the lives for uh, uh, our Facebook group, Age of Radio Hosts. And uh, one of the things that I'm really working on this year is uh, being more active with the host and also being more communicative with these podcasts and trying to open up the breadth of the podcast. Now that uh, I've been dealing with podcasts for over two years, I feel that I have kind of a decent understanding of the workings of uh, interview podcasts and uh, and um, storytelling podcasts. Um, one of the things that I don't think that I do very well, and uh, this can be definitely seen in um, consistency, is obviously I take on a lot. And so during this podcast, this, uh, I wanted to take some time and, and kind of uh, talk a little bit about that, um, uh, kind of talk a little bit about what uh, I'm focusing on and, and kind of what's going on with the podcast. Um, so essentially, if this is your first time listening to the Age of Jeremy podcast, essentially the Age of Jeremy podcast is about me storytelling the different things that I'm trying to do within my life. And you might be saying to yourself, well, why would I want to listen to the stuff that you're doing inside of your life? And essentially, the reason why is because... Um, is because there's lots of good insights into business. I have a master's in business administration um, from Northeastern University. I also have a bachelor's of science in finance from Arizona State University and a bachelor of science in accounting from Arizona State University. And so over the last uh, 10, 11 years, I've been working in the banking industry. Um, specifically, uh, over the last four years, been working with relationship management with businesses that have somewhere between um, 5 million and up. My average right now was close to probably like 15 million or so um, in revenue that they bring in um, to their um, uh, to their business. And so essentially what's kind of happening is I uh, decided to embark on my first business investment with my friend um, and, and previous co-worker John Vasquez and we own a company here in Mesa called 3T Fitness um, and, and you can find uh, on Instagram 3T Fitness um, at uh, I think it's a underscore I think it's 3T Academy now um, we kind of been working on rebranding I deal with all the financial stuff and I'll kind of go over that but we own a facility in Mesa we have an online app um, where you can do your training um, from your house um, and so a, a lot of uh, eye-opening experiences is experiences have been taking place as I've been delving in this with John. Um, one of the most uh, interesting things that, um, uh, oh, so real quick, so our fitness center is kind of similar to HIIT workouts. Um, so you go through a 45-minute workout um, that encompasses kettlebells and um, dumbbells to deplete uh, glycogen in your, your body um, to reduce all the sugar, and then you go through a HIIT workout because the idea is once all that glycogen's out of your system, once you do that HIIT work with battle ropes and assault bikes, um, once 
once you do that, then you're only going to be targeting fat stores. And so also too, just to kind of let you know that this podcast is waiting for my mom um, to call. I'm going to do a, a live, um, well, I guess not live, but recorded um, phone uh, conversation with her in regards to what I'm going to talk a little bit about towards uh, a little bit more into this podcast about COVID. But, but essentially with John, um, um, it really opened my eyes to my passion for health and um, fitness, um, especially uh, he introduced me to um, Onnit, uh, the company Onnit and their maces and kettlebells. Um, and the maces is something that I have been spending a, more, uh, a lot of time with prior to um, falling ill this last Sunday um, on June. Um, I think it was June. Let me double check here. We're doing we're talking June uh, 12th. I'm sorry, June 14th is when I started feeling ill. And that's kind of the real basis for this, this podcast. But one of the things I wanted to do is kind of get more involved with explaining why you're listening to this podcast. And so essentially, it's kind of opened my eyes back up to my religious um, uh, life and a life of health and wellness um, prior to getting type 1 diabetes when I was 28. Um, and so when I was younger, I was really into yoga, into mysticism. And so a lot of the things that it relates to um, some of the side quests or side podcast that I do from our my regular season is that I talk a little bit about or want to talk a lot about those um, religious experiences and that mysticism um, and what we call a warrior mindset. Um, that's really more geared towards 3T Academy and Warrior. I don't personally use that term. Um, I like esotericism um, and uh, martial arts in that regard. I've trained in judo. Um, I was about to go back into doing uh, more jujitsu training, um, but then the COVID happened and those shut down. I've also done Muay Thai training. Um, and so, um, so, so to that extent, I do enjoy martial arts a lot. Um, and that's something that I had originally planned in my life prior to getting trapped up and making money, um, with, uh, with the working for the bank and, um, starting a family or getting married and buying a house and things like that. And so the reason why I kind of, uh, have this podcast is to kind of tell you the things that I believe that any individual can do, whether you're in poverty, like I was prior, um, to going back to school and getting an education. Um, and and also the interesting things that I've learned on trying to build businesses. So 3T Fitness is doing very well. We just bought out our other investors um, that originally gave us the startup capital to start the business. Um, and then I've also started Age of Radio, which is the, 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 the theme behind the Age of Jeremy seasonal podcast, trying to talk a lot about the things that I'm doing. Um, but back to the point about not doing a lot of consistency is that I um, not only have Age of Radio, um, which is only owned by my corporation called October Revolution Corporation. We call it ORC for short, um, but trying to build a family enterprise. And there's lots of things that go into not only the family enterprise, but into family histories um, and into family dynamics that I, I feel that I've learned over time um, are really targeted towards wealthy people. But you can take those concepts and you can apply them to any families and we can start making much better, um, stronger family units, even in lower income levels. And I think that that's one of the big keys and, and things that will help get people out of poverty um, besides the traditional oppression that is pushed upon them by capitalism. And so... So a lot of people who know me know that I, um, uh, I guess I'm a Democrat, um, but I also, um, uh, I'm a Democrat because we only have two main parties. That's the Republican Party and the Democrat Party. We also have the Green Party and Independent Party. But for the most part, we'll say that we only really have the um, two parties. So um, excuse me for one moment. Again, getting out of breath. 
And so I'm a Democrat, but I traditionally fall into um, the further left dem democratic um, um, tradition of socialism or communism. Um, and so communism, in my um, idea, um, uh, uh, is something that that is um, for free people, um, not for what we see in China, in Cuba, in Vietnam, um, in the USSR. Um, and and in um, uh, Venezuela and some of the other traditional communist or socialist countries, or uh, El Salvador, um, which is where my father is from. Um, and so, so when we talk about when I talk about communism, I don't talk about what we we consider um, in the the economic sense of what we would call state capitalism. And so, essentially, just kind of whenever I mention communism, I mention I talk about free democracy where the people own the businesses that they run. Um, so, employee stock ownership programs, um, not only employee stock ownership programs, but also giving those those employees the right to vote for the people that are on their boards. Um, that's one of the biggest things when you can give that. power power to the people, um, then they can make help make better decisions for the companies that they earn the money for. And then because there are employee stock ownership, they also get to um, have a say in the um, the, uh, the the profits that come down to them. And so when I talk about communism, those are the things that I traditionally fight for, not what we in, in, in communist economics, what we call state capitalism. So essentially when Lenin took over the power of Russia, they were young. Um, they were trying new things. They didn't, in my opinion, didn't really know what they were going to do. And so they started these equal processes um, of things that they thought that that would work out that didn't um, for a couple of reasons. One, because they kept having war come on to them um, in Russia from um, different places after um, they overthrew the previous regime in Russia. Um, and so um, as Lenin and Trotsky uh, kind of took over and then Stalin took over, Stalin's the one that kind of made it more of a dictatorship. Um, but prior to that, they um, have this thought process that the state will own all of the capital and then the profits of, that the state makes will be um, either paid out um, to whoever they see fit. A lot of the times, like we saw in Cuba with Fidel, that money went to Fidel. Um, um, and possibly, and same thing with probably Stalin, um, and to some extent, probably Mao in China, I'd imagine. The only place that I don't think that a lot of that happened was with in, in Vietnam. Um, but anyway, um, so, so they, they, their concept of what they were trying to do is that if you can take over the state and have the state force the communism, then they can slowly push it back into the hands of the people, and then the people will have the ability to start the businesses and make the profits and 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 make the uh, money. Now we think that today that's not the best way to do it, and, and in my opinion, that isn't the best way to do it. The best way to do it would to be focused on a lot of stock ownership programs. Um, it would a lot be allowed to have the people that own the company or community of ownership where they own it. Now, the problem that comes into place is when you get into family enterprises. And so one of the things that I'm trying to do with an October Revolution Corporation is intermingle those two, where the family still has a good understanding of the business um, and stake in the business, um, but then all of the employees also have ownership in that business. And so, like, for instance, the salespeople and people that work for Age of Radio, they all get uh, shares of stock um, that vest after they've been with the company for two years, and then they own that employee stock 
stock and they get to vote on who runs on the board. Now, the best way to make that even is a one-to-one -one vote, but then you come into the problem if they are able to outvote um, the family. And so that's one of the things that I'm experimenting with within October Revolution Corporation is, is ha still having allowed to have a family enterprise, but also have it to be employee-owned. And then at the end, if we decide to sell the uh, a business of ours, right, then we could still sell that to the employee stocks and then it'll be a completely employee-ran um, company. And so those are the things that I talk about when I talk about communism, um, not to be mistaken for what the West considers communism, what we teach in our schools, which is incorrectly ed incorrect education on what communism is, especially the economic theories of communism. So with communism, you have the social constructs, which people are educated on, um, but then you also have the economic theory, um, which some colleges teach here in the United States. Most of them do not because we teach Austrian economics um, um, or neoclassical economics and to some degree Keynesian economics, which is what we use here in the United, what we hear, we have a mixture of Keynesian economics and neoclassical economics in the United States. And within those traditions, they traditionally talk a lot about um, free markets. And the misconception is even though free markets, there are some skeptics, there are some, um, there are some things that are not good about free markets. Um, but in the most, if we left the free market alone, um, despite the inhumane things that we do in free markets um, to better our position and the, the miser's the mising that goes along with it. I don't know if that's the best word to use or even if it is a word, um, but the haggling that goes back and forth with our brethren, um, those things is where the skepticism comes in um, and the critique of free markets. But if, if you left free markets alone, then they are going to be a in essentially a fair way to make trade. And that's not what capitalism specifically is. And that's what a lot of people today um, that um, are considered Marxian, Marxist economics, uh, Marxian economics, which is something that I do like. I also like Keynesian economics to some extent. Um, but but essentially, that's completely separate. But in our tradition here in the United States, we associate capitalism with free markets, and they're not the same. The capitalism is the, the concept that if you own the capital, um, uh, you the, the person that owns the, the capital gets the benefit, and they utilize the labor. Um, they... They exploit the labor, right, to make the profit to then pay themselves. And, and the people that are making the revenue and making the profit don't have a say in what the where that profit goes. And that's traditionally what capitalism, which has nothing to do with, with traditionally free markets. The, the misconception arises because of the things that we've seen happen in China when they shut down um, the stock exchange that they have there. They opened it back up, obviously. But the, originally when Mao took over, they shut it down and they took all the businesses from the Chinese people. Same thing happened in Cuba. And so when we think of that, we look at that and we're, we're te we teach children that they don't have a free market because in theory, they don't have a free market. But that is not that is not capitalism. Capitalism is again as if I'm a laborer, right, and I have no ownership in the company or say in who is on the board of the company or the members that are in the company, right? That then that my profit that I make from my labor, right, whether it's mental labor or physical labor, that money that's created goes back up to the board or to the the owners and they're the ones that decide to do with that capital. 
That's what capitalism is. It's really not super complicated. The economics of it get a little bit complicated, um, but it's worth, um, uh, I, I believe it's worth for capitalists to read or anybody to read Marx's critique of capitalism. He was a philosopher and econo an economist. Um, wasn't necessary the best guy in the world. Um, hold on one second here. Hello? Hello, I'm home now. Oh, you're okay. I, could, I couldn't understand what you wanted to talk to me about. Oh, no, I was uh, just going to kind of tell you what happened, mainly because I wanted to test... Um, this Zoom L8 connected to my Cubase, connected to the phone to see if it all picked up all the audio. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was the main, that's the main reason. So right now, like I'm recording you and it worked really, really well. Okay, good. Okay. Um, uh, but no, okay, I wanted... So <sighs> go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, so I went... To, so at around noon, I got a text from FastMed and FastMed had said that I couldn't get in until after 3. And then when I was driving down there, they said that I couldn't get in there until 3.36. And then when I got there, they said it's going to be a little bit, it's going to be a lot longer than that automated text message because they had like nine people ahead of me. And the problem is that from what I can tell that's happening is that because people are going in there um, um, and they're making these uh, appointments, you know, or whatever, um, th and they're not allowing people to stay, People are going home and then FastMed's calling them. So then that person has to drive back and then they start their session. So if, if oh. because not all FastMeds are doing this, let's say you're 45 minutes away, right? Because like she told me, it's probably going to be four or five hour wait. And so, so if I'm me, like I went home, right? But let's say I live further and they call me when it's about my appointment time, then it takes me 40 minutes to get there, Right then right. you push that time out. So I don't even know if I'll get in. My appointment was at 2.20. It's now 6.15. So who knows if I'll get back in there today. Well, then will they let you get in tomorrow then? I don't know. I'm going to call them in a little bit here, probably after I'm done with this. Yeah. So how far is the drive for you to go? Like 10, 15 minutes. It's, it's by Metro minutes. Center. It's by Metro Center? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Which is like three well, streets down. <laughs> yeah. Do so you take the freeway or you just take the streets? No, you can just take the back roads and you're right there. Yeah. Yeah. So, like okay. if you take well, Thunderbird up to, I think, 23rd Avenue or something, it goes all the way through and that's right there on the left. Yeah. So, so. okay. Well, that's crazy because you just wonder how many people are out there. We had two uh, carriers' uh, fathers die oh, last really? night or the night before. They didn't say if it was from the coronavirus. Oh. But one of the guys is a CCA, so he just he's not a full a regular carrier yet, and he's a real young carrier. He's probably in his early twenties. And they told, I guess he found out when he was at work, and he was just crying and. I guess he wasn't going to leave, and they told him, you've got to, you know, what are you going to do? You need to go home. <laughs> yeah. So, but he was just, you know, he was just shocked by the whole thing, and whatever, he went out to his truck, and one of the other carriers was leaving, and she saw him in the truck, and was he was just crying, and they should have drove him home. Yeah. That's so, sad. Yeah, Grandpa yeah. called me. 
to find out what I found out. Obviously, he oh. thought that if I got the test, I would get an answer. But that's well, not how it works. My, uh, mom, mom knows because Chloe told mom last night she's not going to know for four or five days. Oh, I don't know. So, well, then, but but anyways, anyways. So then I told Grandpa and then he's worried for me not to have oh. it. And again, if this is it for me anyway, it's not that bad. If, right. If, right. if I Just test so it doesn't positive. Get worse. Right, because I still haven't right. had a fever. The only thing, the only thing is, like my breathing keeps going back. Like sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Um, right. But other than that, like it's not really that big of a. It's like having, and you know, I don't want to get because I think it's serious, and I think we need to stop the spread of it. And I'm glad that Phoenix mandated the mask wearing, and Danielle well, watched. Governor Ducey's a fucking. His head because he wouldn't even mandate it. He should have just mandated it for the whole state. Right, but then you have to think about you have to think about the traditional politics of Republicans. So well, if you're yeah. a Republican, you don't want the overreach of the state government into the cities, just like you don't want the overreach of the federal government into the states. But they'll be damn sure right. to take the fucking money if they need the fucking right. money from the Fed, <laughs> which is yeah. one of the most stupid, stupidest things ever. Um, well, the late supervisor was standing there or sitting there talking to a couple carriers when I, because you have to check out before you leave to make sure all your parcels got cleared and whatever. Yeah. And um, he was telling these carriers that in his thought, the government's going to crash and it's going to be like, because he's looked at other things that have happened in other countries and whatever and we're following that same thing not because of the coronavirus but of other things that have happened in the past or whatever and he thinks that the post office is just going to go down the government's going to go down and it's just going to be really bad for everybody yeah none of those things are going to happen I'm like, whatever. And then he's talking then they said, well if Biden if Biden gets elected for president and everything will be better i said don't bet on it i didn't because they're mostly democrats at work because <laughs> they're all for the union and everything right well that's and, good well so in my view that's good i don't think yeah, biden's a good pick and i've never thought that biden's a good pick for lots of different reasons but unfortunately right. <laughs> um, yeah unfortunately yeah. the party doesn't want it to go further socialist so they definitely were fighting to not have bernie sanders become the pick but i don't necessarily i think bernie sanders would have been good i don't think it would have been it would have been very really difficult it, it would be very difficult for our society to go from a complete capitalist thought right to far right capitalism oh, right. to a centrist right. To then go all the way back over to further further left than Barack Obama was, right? Right. And so I, right. I just don't think that our nothing would have happened either if Bernie Sanders got it. And that's that's right. one of the problems is because what I'm hoping happens is that the right starts taking on more of the progressive and centrist values, and then the Democratic Party is more socialist and further left in the future. Because right. eventually yeah. the Republican Party, in my opinion, is going, it's com it's diminishing fast as far as the amount of people that, that vote Republican in general. And so yeah. I would imagine that they're going to have to fix some of their ideologies as they continue. And I think that they're going to have to push more for centrism because the whole abortion and the whole weird gun 
shit and <laughs> is just is just stuff that's stupid and doesn't need to be here anymore. <laughs> like yeah. just let people have yeah. abortions. Also just let people have guns and then we'll just move to more <laughs> pressing matters of getting the economy back. I was watching a video, you know, not that I'm super against China because I g- genuinely love Chinese cultural and Japanese culture, especially with Buddhism and things like that. But like uh-huh. I was watching a video and by 2025, China is going to be the largest economic power. And so from a economic nationalism standpoint, if I'm an American, we should be trying to stop that from happening. <laughs> like, I don't personally have a problem with it, but I'm like thinking of like, as if we're looking at America as a whole, right? Ha- not having COVID should be a big priority, right? Reducing the right. amount of deaths from the flu should also be a priority, right? Like, you know, <laughs> making sure that our, making sure that our life here on earth can go further, Right. And, and to uh-huh. have backups like on Mars and the moon and whatever the hell everybody else is doing. And then and then to kind of make sure that we remain as a good economic superpower. Because the fact that China did that so fast is ridiculous. Because it took us from 1776 to get to be where we're at. China did it in what, 40, right. 50, 60 years maybe? That's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. So, but anyways, it was a really interesting documentary. It's on Netflix. It's called History 101. They go into lots of different uh, well, maybe, weird histories. But, um, yeah, but if Biden, Biden has ties with the Chinese, and so does that senator from Tucson that's running. That Well, he's not a senator, um, um, but he's running for senator. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, uh, that one guy. Kel- uh, not Kelly. Um, yeah. Oh, is it, it Kelly? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so in, an economical, in, a, in a global economic world, we need to have ties with the other global superpowers. There's not some, in my opinion, some weird larger conspiracy that's going on. <laughs> like, it's just yeah. the Chinese want to be well off. The Chinese people want their people to be wealthy. They want to be an economic superpower. Like, I don't think it's going to be something where if 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 China becomes an economic superpower, they're going to try to take over the world. I don't think that that's that's specifically what what they're wanting to do. I think that they just want to have good stuff for Chinese people, just like because you have to think about it from the other way. Think about what the Chinese think about us. They could be thinking the same thing about us. We want to stay big so we could take over. the world. That's not the thing that's happening. It's just traditionally they want the people to have better stuff for their people. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So. so. Okay. Anyway. All right. I'm going to go. Oh, okay. Yep. Ho- hopefully you get in tonight then. Okay. All right. I will okay. talk to you later. Love you. Mom. Okay. Love you. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. So that was mom calling me about COVID. So. Um, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Again, I wanted to test some stuff out here on the Zoom and then have a conversation about the COVID. Um, so real quick, back before I get into this shit show that we have here in Arizona, um, I just kind of wanted to mention that uh, that uh, I'm thinking, hoping that what I can test for with October Revolution and Age of Radio is trying to see how to build a good family enterprise and and keep and and share those things with people along with family dynamics. Um, and the things that I'm doing to build Age of Radio and um, some of the other businesses that I'm working on 
and then um, and then to talk about the stuff with 3T Fitness and talk about spirituality and mysticism, right? So it's kind of a lot of stuff. It's kind of like my story. Um, and that's why I'm hoping that people can come in and just share some, uh, as um, my friend Nora Ellen says on the Women Starting Over podcast, some little bits, nuggets, I think is what she calls them, like golden nuggets, um, but like some, some good advice or wisdom that people can take away with themselves. But the the reason why I want to get on this podcast, because I'm, I'm right a lot, um, about, uh, um, so, so I write a lot about my podcasts. And so what I've been, been kind of focusing on is leadership. That's the next episode that I want to come out for season two. And traditionally there's supposed to be 12, 12 episodes in a season of age of Jeremy, the traditional regular run season. And then, um, we have side quests and other things that we focus on, but the traditional, the main seasons that come out, are talking about the things that we're trying to do. So we spent a year now really trying to build our tribe. It's it's going, it's strong. Let me put it that way. It's really, really strong. I want it to be stronger. I don't really want it to grow as big as I originally wanted it to because I really want it to have a lot of, um, uh, a lot of good under, um, I want it to be, want it to be uh, meaningful and provide value. And so one of the things that I wanted to talk about next on the next uh, Age of Jeremy, which I'm writing the episode, um, is on leadership and extraordinary leadership and how you can take those things and, and apply them into your tribe, your, your group that you're leading. And then you can also really apply these to your family as well. And see, the one thing that is really important to me about the family that really frustrates me is in wealth management. Right. So I work with businesses, but when I get a client um, that has a lot of wealth, right, you know, over two million dollars, um, you know, uh, just that's, that's possibly liquid. Right. When, when I when I talk to one of those individuals, we want to talk to them about building a legacy and we want to talk about them about family dynamics um, and and um, how that how how to build a strong family, how to have family meetings. Right. I mean, I don't talk to them specifically about that because that's not my role at the bank, um, but we get them over to our wealth management group or private banking group. And then they have individuals like they have historians that work with our private banking um, uh, and, and ultra wealth uh, private banking groups. And those historians talk to them about how do you build like a family history and a legacy so it, it builds on. And one of the things that always frustrates me is I don't feel I feel that those are things that we should be teaching everybody, all families, right? So their families, their generations um, can continue. Not I don't know if they'll flourish, right? Hopefully they'll flourish apart other generations, but to build strong families. But I think one of the things that arises is when you have families that are in poverty, right? The, the goal is to get food. The goal is to, you know, get clothes, is to have a house. And then, you know, with social media, you have children that see all this garbage on social media about Lamborghinis and Ferraris. And, you know, I, I, and this isn't me gloating or anything. So I don't want to take it. I drive a 2010 Corolla. And, um, if we look at traditional budgeting, I could easily afford a Porsche. Right. And, and again, this isn't about me gloating. I have no intention of buying a Porsche, at least right now. But like I have a 2010 Corolla, like the bumpers hanging off of it and the glass is broken on the front. I just hate buying for cars because they lose value. And so 
So like when you think about that, when you think about that, like they get these mindsets, I just got to go and get this money and, and, and they lose some of their, their core values that should be established within their family unit and within their community and their culture. And, but we, we, we give all of these, this, these resources to the ultra wealthy. And then they, from that, right, they already have a step ahead of the people that are still in poverty or the people that are in the middle class or slightly above middle class, right? And so those are some of the things that I that I want to hopefully change over my lifetime um, so that we can look at our communities and, and look at how um, and get people more involved with them. You know, um, we, we have a lack of community communication, right? Um, a lot of that has to do with big corporations buying up little newspapers and and um, little media pl- little media um, places as they grew, and then when recessions happen and they have to cut costs, they cut those costs. So then you lose a lot about local news, right? Because especially especially living in a big city, you don't see local news. Um, it's it's easier to get local news in a big city. Um, um, because of the media outlets that are here, like in Arizona or Phoenix. But if you went to like Payson or Cottonwood or um, Douglas or um, uh, Flagstaff even or Payson or Globe, right? There's lots of communication and media things. They can be presenting information to them out there as well. And then we can help grow those cities and they can become larger and we can make better worlds for everybody. You know, it's very nostalgic the way that I speak, I guess. Um um, but but the, but that's what that's why you should listen to the age of Jeremy, and that's what the point is. Um, and then the other thing that I kind of want to do is start having more interviews on here, um, just because you know I I don't tradi- I mean I don't mind listening to just one person talking if it's about a topic that I really enjoy. Um, but I do have lots of uh, networks of people that I've spoken with uh, over these last couple of years building these businesses, and it's just great to be able to. Um, would love to just uh, talk to them and 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 get insights about what's going on in their world and their life and so um and and then the next thing is that uh i uh uh so anyway so those are some of the things that i'm kind of focusing on but i kind of wanted to give an update because i've been sick and um in arizona everybody's running around without a mask on outside and somehow this fucking thing became some kind of dumbass bipartisan garbage shit um Hold on, I just got a weird, fun thing. Uh, okay, so sorry, this is kind of going back into... I'll cut some of that space out, I guess. Maybe not, who cares? Um, my uh, wife just... She's arguing with someone on Facebook because... We, so, essentially, the city of Glendale... Um, so today, the city of Phoenix decided to mandate masks, which is something I've been pushing Governor Ducey to do. I tweet him all the time. I don't know if he actually reads those tweets, um, but I complain about it a lot. Now, for me, the mask wearing isn't so much so I don't get sick, right? Because I'm currently sick. And if I have the COVID, whatever, um, I'll rest and hopefully not die from it. Um if uh, But the mask wearing is important so you don't spread it because... I probably went outside without a mask and some other idiot went outside without a mask. And then you have two idiots outside without masks. And then that causes problems to other people. And so this whole, the, the mask is super, super, super important. The fucking stupid gloves that everybody's wearing, who gives a shit about that's still spreading germs. It's probably more important, especially with the way that they utilize them. It's probably better just who gives a shit about the gloves. The masks is what's actually important. And so 
So essentially, um, Governor Ducey being a dumbass, well, being a Republican, essentially, and not wanting any type of overreach um, because of the stupid fucking people that protested the lockdown. Um, and so um, those individuals, they... Um, oh, anyway, so Ducey isn't mandating masks. What he is doing is allowing the cities to make the decisions on to mandate the masks. And so, which I'm happy for. My wife watched the Glendale City Council this morning while I was sleeping because, you know, I've been sick. And she has been, um, she has been following that. So I don't know if Glendale's mandating masks or how the voting went or whatever, but essentially Phoenix decided to uh, induce a fine of up to $250, I think it is, is if you're outside without a mask, which I say is good because if we're going to just let everybody run around and do whatever the fuck they want anyway with a virus that is deadly, um, then, then, and spreads really, really easy and we don't have antibodies for in our body, like, some other types of viruses like colds and flus is that is that then the other the only alternatives to have masks on and so i think that that's a fair fair assessment if we are going to be dicks and want the economy to still booming and the problem that i have with the economy is that especially in arizona i'm not going to talk about other states but in arizona if you go and look at our books we have a good amount of cash we have doug ducey when he was treasurer and into the time that he was governor they all did a really good job at conserving our cash either it's a joke and they're just you know stealing it and paying people which i don't think that's the case that, that there is a lot of cash that's on hand that cash could be utilized to present grants right to keep these businesses going you kind of think of it is how you have a um savings for um not everybody but you know the the thought is in traditional personal finance, you should have savings of somewhere around six months of, you know, um, bills. Same thing goes for a business. Same thing goes for anything. You should always have cash. So in case of an emergency, you can withstand bad times. And so if Arizona has this cash, right, this would be the time that you would want to use it. And it's a rainy day fund for a reason. And this would be a good rainy day. Just lock everything down for about six to eight months. Okay. Use the cash that you have, deplete it, Right. Make sure that it's going to people's grants and then they're reporting that or loans. Who cares? Either way, getting to people and they're reporting how that money's going out into their their business to make sure that it's going to pay people. Um, and if you know or to have some type of of payment so we can keep those people getting cash for the business so those people can go out and spend. Then what you do is you raise the taxes from that money that's going out and spending and then you recall start recollecting some of it. And then if we all worked as a community, then once it's done, you push up the taxes again for like a year and then we re-get that cash going. It's not it's not super hard to get through these types of these types of things. They make it way too political because people think that people are infringing on their fucking rights and no one's infringing on their rights. You look at it as like you would a household, right? That's what you would do in a household. So we should do that as a larger scale on a community. And then we could stop the spread of this or slow it down while people and researchers are trying to get a vaccine for it. And then we cut some of our money here in our households. Not everybody can do it. The wealthy and the middle class can do it more than everybody seems like, well, I shouldn't have to pay for everybody else. Well, that's stupid. Just fucking grow up. Okay. And then you take that money and you pump it into researching research at the public universities. 
universities and they create a cure, hopefully. We could get out of this in like a year and a half. It's not super difficult when you think of it as we're one big family. And that's the problem because it's so political. It's so everybody being greedy, everybody not thinking that they need to take care of other people. And that is just the biggest load of shit. And that's one of my biggest problems with the way that the world works, that I'm hoping that if just someone could come, someone could come on here and say, I'm a fucking idiot. I don't give a shit. But if something happens, there's going to be some wisdom somewhere that someone can take away and they can go and, and make the world a better place or make their life a better place. And so, so the problem that I have with COVID is besides the mass is that I've been sick since Sunday. I'm... I can get angry really easily, so I'm not going to lie. I have a temper. And so I try not to have a temper because it's not very Buddhist. Um, but when I got sick, the first thing that I did was I promised my wife, if I experience any type of shortness of breath, I will go and get tested for COVID. I get sick when something, anything happens. I have type 1 diabetes. I have really bad allergies and really bad asthma. And traditionally, type 1 diabetes is, caught, is an immunology problem, at least there's some different concerns on that, but for, for the way that I feel that it works is it's an immunology problem because it attacks, it attacks the, the, the C peptide that's being created from your pancreas, which creates insulin, right? And so your body gets overreacted. And so it thinks that something is bad and it's not, and your body attacks it. So I get sick really easy because my body attacks everything. And so so I traditionally get sick a couple times a year with the flu. This year I had the flu shot. I didn't get the flu that bad. Um, and then I got sick. I thought it might have been COVID. It was right around that time. Um, the doctor didn't have me go get tested because testing wasn't readily available. And then I got better, never got an antibody test. And so when I got sick on Sunday and Monday, I went to work. On Tuesday, I stayed home and because I started getting the shortness of breath. So for instance, I'm, I'm in our back office right now. And across across the room. So I, I quarantined myself on the west side with our guest bedroom and our guest bathroom. And so if I walk to the guest bathroom, which is probably maybe 10 feet away, maybe. I don't know. Not that far. A couple steps. Right. And so if I get if I go to the that bathroom, I'll get out of breath. Like I'm out of breath right now. Like I should probably take my inhaler again. Um, and so. um. So once I started getting, <clears throat> once I started getting out of breath, I decided, okay, well, maybe I'll go. I haven't had a temperature yet. So I called my doctor and I said, hi, I need to figure out what, can I come to you? Because I figured they were doctors, they would have tests, but they don't. Um, and they, they said, well, you can have an antibody test. And I said, okay. Now my thinking wasn't, okay, well, antibodies means that you have like the antibodies against it, which means you had it. I thought that that would tell me that I had it because I wasn't thinking because I hate my doctor anyway. And, um. And so I don't hate my doctor. I hate, well, I do. I don't like my doctor and I don't like the company. It's Bayless Integrated Healthcare. Um, they're the worst, um, uh, the worst healthcare provider here in Arizona. Um, and anyway, and so, um, and so I have uh, called them. They said that I couldn't get until Friday. And I was like, okay, well, I'll try to get one of these nasal swabs done. So I called CVS. I called Walgreens. I called um, Banner Health twice on two different days. I've been trying to get a nasal swab test or even an appointment for a nasal swab test um, this whole week. I finally got an appointment for a nasal swab test today at FastMed at 2.22. It's now 6.41 p.m. 
And when I went there, they said that they were about four or five hours behind and I needed to go home and they would call me when the appointment's ready. So the only person that's called me was my mom and you heard that conversation. Um, so this whole thing has been a complete shit show just because everybody, I'm imagining every time someone's sick, they're pushing them to go get a test. And I get that. I think at I, Banner Health was doing tests down at the fairgrounds. They were booked one day they couldn't do testing or they were booked. The next day they got booked by the time I called them and they didn't know if they were going to do any testings today or they, or they're not pushing appointments out that far. Same thing with next care, urgent care. At one next care, urgent care, there was two, 200 people that were waiting in line or something ridiculous. That is crazy because there's a, an obviously a testing blitz because of how fast this thing is spreading and because now we have tests readily available. So anybody that's been sick wants to find out if they have it so that they can take necessary precautions, which brings me to the other problem with COVID. There's not a really a way, unless it gets really bad and you have to go to urgent care, there's not a really good treatment plan. The only treatment plan really is what you would do is if you had a cold, drink lots of fluids and fluids, so fluids water and then and then make sure that you're getting a lot of rest. And so I haven't had really no contact with my uh, day job at the bank. Um, really, I let them know that I've been sick and I'm waiting to get the COVID test because then through our human resources department, it kicks in a different um, uh, process that you have to do so you don't have to use any of your sick time or anything along that, um, which I don't personally have a problem with because I just work all the time anyway. Um, so, so not really a big deal if I lose my PTO time and what am I going to do? Am I going to Disneyland this year? Come on. And so uh, that's one of the things that's been kind of frustrating is that I need to get a test. I can't get a test. But even if I got the test and I do have COVID, the benefit is that I know that I have it and I need to be quarantined. So I can't, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to continue to quarantine myself from my wife, which I've been trying to do everything in our office and sleeping in our guest bedroom. And so for that, for that, though, I guess the benefit would be to know that I have it so that people don't come over. But if you're sick, you should really kind of quarantine yourself anyways. And that's one of the things that I've kind of learned from this whole thing, because my wife is very big into germs and such. Um, and everybody worries about me because of my type one diabetes and my asthma. Um, that if I get sick, something terrible is going to happen. I um, have really good fortitude and stamina. So if this is the COVID, it hasn't really impacted me that that much. But I did do things once I started getting sick. Um, it, and this goes back to the mysticism piece about things that I've lost over the years about myself and about my, my spirituality, which I have a piece that I'm writing um, for the Age of Jeremy blog. So I guess I'm writing for myself, my blog. Um, that talks a little bit about losing faith in general and losing um, religious faith in general and trying to regain that. Um, and, and that's kind of where I'm at in my spiritual journey. You know, when I, I do a lot of tarot card readings on um, myself for um, improvement or to help make different types of decisions or kind of have an idea. And again, not necessary for um, anybody if you don't believe that or if you think it's bad, but that's just how, well, something I've always done in my life as a way to kind of see what different choices are going to lead to which different outcomes. Um, and then hopefully you can make the best choice. But uh when I look at the tarot cards, the one thing that continues to keep coming up over and over in my cards is that um, 
is that um, there's a spiritual journey that needs to take place. And and that's because when I was younger, uh, into my mid-20s, before I went back to college, you know, one of my biggest things was esotericism. And, and recently I've been studying esotericism as it relates to Buddhism, um, which is really interesting because there's a lot of great correlations between um, Eastern esotericism within Buddhism, Buddhism um, and then um, Western esotericism within, uh, within the Jewish tradition or within the Christian tradition. Um, but anyway, so so over the last couple of weeks, um, since I'm stuck inside, I wanted to um, uh, start studying um, uh, martial arts, you know, more again. And and it's difficult, especially jujitsu. I have a jujitsu dummy, um, but it's difficult studying with the jujitsu dummy because he's really big and heavy and not so much room in the house that I thought that there was in the house when I bought it. Um, and so I over estimated the size of our house and so um um and so so one of the martial arts i kind of put things of things that i think that are good um uh, cross-training martial arts to your overall whatever it is the practice that you really want um and and in judo that's the 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 martial art that I uh, would love to um, spend a lot of time the rest of my life studying that in uh, jujitsu or Brazilian jujitsu. Um, um, but I think that there are some really great, uh, probably judo more than Brazilian jujitsu, but um, Brazilian jujitsu will really help with groundwork in judo. So you kind of use that to cross train within judo. But then there's also some like slower thought, um, slower moving martial arts um, or um, uh uh, what I like to call mental fortitude martial arts, I guess. Um, those might not be the great, uh, the great, uh, the best name for it, but Iaido, um, I, and I apologize if I'm saying that wrong because I don't have it written in front of me, um, yeah, or the uh, the art of Japanese sword drawing. And so that is one of the things that I think that uh, is a good martial art to cross train um, with any martial art. That and possibly Tai Chi, tai chi and um, Qigong, um, and so when I started getting sick, um, I've, uh, a, a big believer in, in Eastern, um, medicine, uh, much better, I guess, maybe not believer, but I've, I've had lots of success with Eastern medicine over Western medicine. I hardly, other than my Western medicine that I need to stay alive, like insulin, um, I usually don't do any other type of Western, um, medicine, uh, I try to focus mainly on Eastern um, herbal supplements and herbal er, and um, Eastern remedies. Then um, that's how I've been my whole life. Um, now, I other than type one diabetes, I don't really have too much. It's wrong with me, especially over these last 10 years or so. Um, I've not had a knock on wood, had a, an emergency event that's taken place and I haven't had um, uh, any type of uh, any type of surgery ever in my entire life. Um, you know, I usually traditionally have good heartbeat rating, good blood pressure, things like that. Um, blood sugars need to be a lot better. And that's because I just love some food. Um, and so, um, and, uh, you know, one of my biggest things I've never really, I'm never really, unless I'm single, which I haven't been in a long time. Um, I not super really, I would rather spend my time reading or learning um, than focusing on dieting. Now, I enjoy exercising because um, it's fun, but I need to lose some weight probably, um, actually for a fact. Now, that being said, going back to the Japanese swordsmanship, that's one of the things that I feel that the mace can help cross-train to that. 
as well um, because it gives you good fluid movements. It strengthens a lot of those um, um, minor muscle groups um, because of the way that you're moving your rotator cuffs, um, uh, moving, um, uh, trying to find the flow within your body, which is going to strengthen those those muscles, right? And then it's going to make it easier for you to move within your Japanese sword drawing. And so it's just interesting if you look at all these different martial arts um, and different um, techniques, you can kind of look at them and say, okay, well, this could probably help um, you focus with this more. And that's one of the things that I've been doing over the last couple of weeks with the mace. And so as I've been doing that and getting more involved with that and looking, trying to re-engage my spirituality within health and wellness um, and, and to take my Buddhism to a, a different, deeper level, you know, one of the things that I wanted to try because, you know, I know that if we look at traditional Chinese medicine and we look at, you know, the kidney deficiency and the, the parts of the body that it impacts, right? You know, because if your blood sugar is high, your blood's thicker, your kidney has to clean that blood, um, it, it puts more pressure on it. And so if you start that, you, you, you notice from those, those pains in the kidney that you have, you know, lower back pain in the kidney area. makes sense. That's a common one. Um, but you calluses um, below your toes on your feet, right, which I have. Um, you look at, you know, the pain in the middle of the neck. Uh, or the, the lower part of the neck where your neck kind of connects to your back, that part, that area right there, you start having pains there. And so there are some great Qigong um, techniques, which is a, a, a form of Eastern medicine um, or Eastern remedy um, that has to do with moving and unblocking qi. And so over the past, the past where I've been really, really focusing on my education and, and, and looking at facts and planning and proving things, right? You just kind of say, well, moving your chi, that's ridiculous. Um, but it's really interesting because, you know, earlier in the week uh, and up today, I've been do practicing qigong as much as I can. And it's really helping relieve a lot of the aches and pains. And it's relieving, it's, 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 it's causing a better, uh, my breath not to get so bad, right? Because you know, I'm nowhere near needing to have to be on a ventilator. In fact, I checked my oxygen saturation. That's 99%, which is perfect. Well, I mean, not perfect, but it's pretty good. Better than I thought it was going to be. And so when you look at those things, you kind of think, well, man, you know, I got to, um, I got to, uh, uh, um, uh, that there's something behind this that really helps if you're blocking out that chi and then you start working with, you know, um, you you start doing energy work within qigong, kind of what you would have in reiki, um, uh, on the and, and moving that energy right. Um, but with qigong, there's a lot of physical, personal movements. There's brocades that you do um, that help relieve some of the any type of like uh, um, blockage of the qi. And then when you can remove that blockage, right, that's when you're, the wellness starts to come. And it's really interesting seeing some of the, the minor results come from that. And I'm really happy um, to say that I think that I'm going to continue to do that Qigong. And I really want to dive deeper into Eastern um, medicine, um, especially because my mother has a, a company called uh, Meridian Health um, that I own with her through our corporation. And we're selling um, herbal supplements. And we're going to start doing our own line of teas. And we're going to start doing our own Arizona bee pollen. Um, and so we're we're working on getting those things going as well, but it kind of opens up my mind of where I want to take health. I, now, I don't think that there's anything wrong with Western medicine in general. I think that it the problem with Western medicine is it traditionally just helps the um, the it, it it treats the symptom, not the the cause, um, and and that's one of the biggest problems. And um, 
But if we look at like surgery and brain surgery and the stuff that, you know, those are, that's amazing. But our traditional physicians, when they're treating us, they don't treat us to create, you know, good, healthy human beings that are living vibrant lives, right? It's, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. You get like yesterday to get my uh, testing because I, you know, I ended up talking to a nurse practitioner um, and, and they, they did to give me an antibody testing for afterwards or whatever. So I can go to Sonoran Quest and do that. But but she just didn't, there was nothing, it was like a 10 minute conversation. What am I going to charge? $119 for 10 fucking minutes? Well, the insurance will, that's ridiculous, right? And so there's something that's missing in our health system. So I don't think that, I think we need doctors and physicians. I think we need better doctors and physicians. And I hope that over time, Meridian Health can be something that can provide that, um, provide a different way of looking at health where you, you combine the Western and the Eastern medicine like they do in China and in, in Japan, Compo. Um, and, and I think that that is one of the things that I really want to focus on. And so I've been doing a lot of that with my being sick this time, especially if I have COVID. I've been taking my vitamin C. I have my zinc lozenges. Prior to this, I was taking elderberry, but I ran out and I need to order some more. Um, I've been doing some aromatherapy. Um, my We also were working on selling doTERRA. Um, the doTERRA, I'm not selling these like multi-level marketing. They're decent products and I'm just pushing them like at retail. And that's one of my main focuses. I don't want to sign people up at memberships. I just want to find really good products and then get those in the hands of people in education. But like uh, this doTERRA Breathe respiratory blend, just phenomenal, right? You know, you put that in a diffuser and even if it's not really healing anything in the lungs, it is soothing um, and you are staying relaxed and 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 not activating drop the bottle and not activating any of that stress and so uh you know i've been doing those and um i've been meditating um uh, meditating a lot and then the other thing is um i was reading some stuff about traditional chinese medicine and how china's uh tcm that's the acronym for traditional chinese medicine how the tcm is treating it and they do use a lot of ginger ginger is like a magical herb um so i have ginger tea tea um but the other thing that they've been giving all their nurses and doctors is licorice root extract and i've been taking prior to this i was taking licorice root extract um and i'm still continuing to take it um and so i feel that if i do have covid the reason why i'm not experiencing it as bad is because of these herbal supplements um and so so i don't think that there's anything really to worry about i'm gonna um probably do some more of these podcasts to kind of keep everybody updated on this and and some more of my learnings of the tcm um but as we continue with this uh I just kind of wanted to make sure that everybody knew, you know, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast, um, Age of Jeremy. Traditionally, I want to get, I was shooting for doing one every week. I think I need to scale that back and do one every two weeks like I was originally doing and then doing some, you know, special episodes here and there if necessary. And then getting more of those two blog posts out um, uh, a month and then trying to get one on LinkedIn. I'm really trying to build that LinkedIn personality um, so that hopefully we can do more. Hopefully I get uh kind of get good at this family dynamics and TCM writing and all this stuff and looked as a figurehead or a thought leader in these areas. And then hopefully companies can look to me to be on their boards because that's really what I enjoy doing is what we traditionally call, call board governance or governance. And that's one of the reasons why I'm really trying to start planning um, my good friend, uh, well, my wife's best friend growing up, one of my wife's best friends going growing up, Jimmy, um, 
he is running for uh, Tolleson City Council. Um, so I uh, just want to give a plug for that if you're in Tolleson. Um, Jimmy, and I'm a terrible, terrible person because I can't remember his last name. My wife's going to kill him. Jimmy Davis. Um, he's going to um, be uh, running for city council in Tolleson. I recently became the precinct committeeman for the Country Gables precinct here in Glendale um, for the Democratic LD20 group, or for LD20, that's our district, um, and for the Democratic Party. And so, you know, one of those things of governance is, is part of, you know, being on a city council, becoming governor, mayor, and, and that's something that I really have a passion for and want to continue to pursue as I get older. Now that I'm 36 and I'm old enough to be president, um, it's time to really kind of refocus some of the professionalism and um, and adult-like things that I need to be doing to push myself into these um, and onto the political stage in a, a more, uh, I guess, global, I'm going to say global, but I just mean Arizona, Arizona state to really try that and you know this podcast is a really good way to uh, have a voice um, and tell that story and I hope again you get a lot of good wisdom from this so I'll keep you guys updated on this COVID thing um, as soon as I get uh, an answer I'll probably do another one here a couple of days because I'm going to be stuck at home um, so I hope you enjoyed this podcast and um, I hope you turn in next time have a great day If you want to see more of what's going on or check out my writings via blog posts, articles, and essays, then make sure to follow me on LinkedIn at Jeremy Quintanilla, Facebook at Age of Jeremy, Instagram at Age of Jeremy, Twitter at Age of Jeremy Q, and TikTok at Age of Jeremy. Hope to see you there. Enjoy. Enjoy.